Good morning. I'm Harley Schlanger from the LaRouche Organization with your daily update for March 9th, 2022. Today I'm going to look at the question of why is it that nations such as India, Brazil, South Africa, and Pakistan refuse to condemn Russia uh, when they're under pressure to do so from the United States and their NATO, the U.S. NATO allies. Uh, India refused to join the Quad countries in issuing a condemnation. The Pakistani Prime Minister Khan uh, lectured the European Union ambassadors saying that we are not your slave in refusing to condemn Russia. And the latest was the Foreign Minister of Brazil who said that Brazil is for peace, not for blaming any country or pointing fingers. Now, three of these countries I mentioned, India, Brazil, and South Africa, are part of the BRICS, a, uh, an alliance which includes Russia and China. Uh, all are also allies of the United States. But what do they know that, they're, that the major transatlantic powers either don't know uh, or refuse to recognize about the situation behind the whole confrontation over Ukraine. Are they too intimidated, or is it that, that the your transatlantic powers, the European Union countries, are too intimidated by the U.S. and Britain to stand up against them? Well, I'll just throw out one point here, a historical reference. It was almost 100 years ago, in April 1922, that the Rapallo Treaty was signed between Germany and Russia. This was to recognize the interests of each other, dropping claims against each other, and to establish a new uh, trading arrangement. Uh, two months after this was signed, the foreign minister of Germany who signed it, Walter Rathenau, was assassinated. This is something that people in Germany know quite well, this history. The next year, Germany, in order to pay the debt, went into the Weimar hyperinflation. So you have to keep in mind that behind the scenes, there's a historic memory, which is very strong in Russia and also very strong in Germany. And that historic memory should include how the world blundered into World War I and the crisis that led to World War II. Now, there are three interrelated reasons why countries uh, why the, these BRICS countries are not going along with the consensus uh, of London, Wall Street, Washington, and Brussels. Uh, one is that the, the BRICS come out of the tradition of the non-aligned nations, not being part of any particular bloc. Sovereign states, as opposed to uh, subordinated to a uh, unipolar world order. Secondly, the economic policies of the transatlantic are collapsing the world economy through creation of speculative bubbles, and I'll get to that in a moment. But these bubbles benefit the wealthiest in the world at the expense of the poorest and the former colonial countries. Uh, the third reason is that the sovereign states that are part of the BRICS are committed to economic development based on physical economy, not monetarist tricks to cover the bloated and unpayable debt that's in the hands of the bankers internationally. Now, there's a brief, brief summary comp uh, compiled by my colleague, Paul Gallagher, which I relied on to prepare this report. But Paul began with a December 2011 speech by Lyndon LaRouche, 
which he gave right after the U.S. and NATO bombing of Libya, destroyed that country and led to the murder of its leader, Muammar Gaddafi. And what LaRouche said is the, the debt that's being bailed out by the bubble economy created after the 2008 crash is worthless. And here's what he said, quote, it can never be repaid. And the only solution for these countries that, that have it, the NATO countries in the U.S., was to have a war. And if the British Empire came out as a victor in this war with the support of the United States, that is the financial and corporate cartels, there would be, they, then they would cancel their debts and they would go about their business. LaRouche concluded, but the population of the world would be greatly reduced through hunger, disease, and so forth, unquote. Now, what we're seeing today is a replay of what LaRouche warned about in 2011, the targeting of Russia. Rather than addressing the economic crisis, targeting Russia and looking for a scapegoat. London, Wall Street, Washington, their policies are bringing down the world economy deliberately, Gallagher said, and these will have unintended and disastrous consequences. Now let's look at the situation with the uh, new ban that was announced by the U.S. on Russian oil and gas imports, the enormous pressure on European countries to do the same, uh, and including the natural gas that's needed for fertilizers. There are estimates that the lack of fertilizer that will come from this ban on import of natural gas from Russia could drop yields, crop yields, by 50%. Now look what's happening with fossil fuel prices. Oil yesterday topped $125 per barrel. Uh, natural gas in Europe is 375 euros per megawatt hour, which is the highest by far that it's ever been. Coal yesterday hit $435 a ton. That's $200 more than the previous highest price. And the largest coal company in the U.S., Peabody, is now in default. Over a 48-hour period, major metals with industrial use are up in cost by 50 to 100%. Now, what's driving this? It's not that there is a shortage of any of these things, although the war and the reaction, the economic warfare against Russia, is certainly increasing the shortages. But the speculation on these instruments have been going up even before this uh, Ukraine crisis. Over a 48-hour period, major metals with industrial use are up by 50 to 100 percent as the corporate corporations and banks are being hit with major calls, with margin, I'm sorry, margin calls, and they need cash. One example of this is credit default swaps on Russian debt are now going into default because as they go up in price, the companies trading them face margin calls to come up with cash. This means they need more liquidity. There's a report out that the interbank lending, the, the market which is used to cover the short-term debt, including the, the repo market, that that market is seizing up just as it did in September 2019 and in September and October 2008. But pumping more liquidity is to, will not make companies solvent. It only increases their debt obligations, what LaRouche called their worthless debt. And then that in turn will drive hyperinflation.
Now, in September, 19, uh, September 2019, as a result of the seizing up of the interbank lending markets then, the Federal Reserve pumped $13 trillion into the economy in, in the fourth quarter. That went to the banks. In fact, it went to six or eight of the world's largest banks to cover their uncoverable uh, debts. They couldn't cover it through interbank lending, so they had to go to the Fed for cash. Now, how much is going to be needed today with the margin calls coming, with the defaults coming, and with the possibility of chain reaction defaults? Well, keep in mind that the September 2019 crash, which was only avoided by this $13 trillion of liquidity pumped into the banking system, that was more than two years before this current crisis started unfolding with Ukraine in December 2021, and six months before the lockdowns related to the explosion of the coronavirus pandemic. What this means is it's the crash that's driving the war drive. This is a point that we've been making. This has nothing to do with freedom and democracy in Ukraine. And the Western politicians should save their crocodile tears if they really were concerned about military action that, that's destroying nations and people's ability to survive, why are they continuing the sanction policies against Afghanistan, against Syria, the so-called Caesar sanctions, against Yemen, against Libya, against Iran? They're killing people every day with these sanctions. So why cry over Ukraine? To create a public uproar that will allow them to fund a war drive against Russia to try and destroy the Russian economy. And why? Because Russia and China are moving outside of the collapsed transatlantic system. And countries such as Brazil, Pakistan, India, and South Africa, along with many other countries, are looking for a future where either they submit to the rules-based order of London and Wall Street, which means give up their sovereignty, and give up their economic production and their hopes for the future, or they move into the potential for a new physical economic policy, which will allow for growth in the future. That's not what the transatlantic governments at this point want for them. They want them to submit, including the people in the United States and the Western European countries. And the Chancellor of Germany, by his policies, by allying himself fully under the, the thumb of London and Wall Street is imposing unnecessary hardships on the people of Germany, as the same thing is happening in France and Italy. So this war drive has nothing to do with what Russia is doing in Ukraine and has everything to do with the collapse of the physical economy of the West. And that's what must be addressed, along with the kind of security architecture which will ensure that no country will target another country for its own benefit. That's what we have to do now. We have to shift out of this paradigm of the unipolar world into one which is recognizing the mutual benefit and interests of the other. Thanks for joining me. I'll be back again tomorrow.